Well, hello again, my friends. E.K. the Writing Elk here. Today we bring you yet another episode of the story. This is chapter 10 and 11. Chapter 10 and 11. Clancy's story. And it goes something like this. The big day is finally here and everyone and everything was bubbling in the Logan's household. Well, not everyone. Everyone except for Clancy. Even Devon was up and about, although they were together all day long yesterday. They would have gone to bed at about the very same time too. Clancy had no appetite either. They were practically begging him to eat something. It's going to be a long day, Mr. Slogan reminded him. And although you might not feel it now, you are going to get really hungry, really fast. That must have done the trick because Clancy would have managed to don three of Mistress Logan's fried dumpling along with her world-famous Akian saltfish dish. The real action got started next. Well, well before Clancy could finish his breakfast, Mistress Logan read out the to-do list. One that included them going back to pick up several more items in Linstead, as well as Rosal. They were also instructed to go and get the page boy in Bagwalk. The groomsmen were all being housed at the Logan's place. Clancy had no idea where the girls were, but weren't overly concerned about that at this point. They were somewhere around, and that was good enough for him. The house appeared to be bursting at the seams. Debbie's brothers and a cousin came in from London on Thursday and were being housed here in White House. The addition of the page boy and the company, a close friend of his, turned the place into a perfect bullpen. Other than for Mistress Logan, there were only men in that house. Clancy was pleased to have learned later on that day that Debbie's sisters and sisters-in-law were staying at his mother's house on Charlton Drive. Before leaving to go back to Linstead again for more pickups, Devon was to have instructed the rest of the guys to go get a shower and be done with the bathroom before they return. The only people who should be using bathrooms at that point he pointed out to them should be Clancy and me. Clancy had settled on having Devon and his father, Mr. Logan, pitch in to play the role of chauffeuring the men, but he was pleasantly surprised when his own father was to show up at the house, all fabulously dressed up and announced that he would be chauffeuring the groomsmen. Everything was falling into place, he thought to himself. For what was supposed to be a small family gathering, the wedding was turning out to be a grand splash as Clancy was starting to see it. With him being an only child for his mother and having been in any kind of relationship with only two of his supposedly many other sisters, Clancy's idea of a family event would be somewhere in the region of 10 people, 20 at the most. But so far, he has numbered well over 25. And they had not yet gone to all of the venues where folks were supposed to be staying. There might still be a lot more folks coming, he thought to himself. Here now is chapter 11. Chapter 11. 
Linstead Baptist Church was the place to be on that day, a day that turned out to be a bright sun-drenched Saturday morning after all. It had been raining a bit earlier on, but it would have appeared as if all that hustle and bustle of the day's activities thus far would have served to consume all of the maestros in the once foggy morning here. Devon dutifully mopped at Clancy's brow to banish away the small beads of sweat which were appearing at regular intervals, though uninvited and unwelcome they might have been. He turned around slightly in his seat to glance at the crowd that was steadily streaming in and being guided to their seats by Mrs. Logan and Mrs. O'Kenna. The perfect ushers they are, Devon remarked as he dabbed at her beads of sweat and smiled. Devon's two sisters were sitting across from them on the right side. An empty bench or two to the left was reserved for the bridal party or someone else probably, but who? At the other end of the seat, between the bench and the three rung stairs that mounts up onto the platform, was a bare passageway that led to a door that Clancy now wishes someone would open up to let in some fresh air. They kept it closed for some unclear reasons, but when the signal came and the bridal party came marching in, as they walked to the far corner on either side of the platform and positioned themselves, Clancy exhaled. It's action time now, he said. The Hargan struck up the tune of Here Comes the Bride, briefly. Voices were to have joined in, then fade away. Then the side door opened to Clancy's great relief, as well as others who was to have welcomed the rush of fresh air. Isn't it a bit premature to be singing that song at this point? Clancy inquired. I don't really know, Devon replied. I am not quite sure how these things work. Clancy stared at the open doorway with great anticipation, but nothing happened. They were still singing, well, other songs. While following the cue from the people whose attention was focused onto the aisles straight down the middle of the hallway, Clancy turned his head just enough to see the approaching of the flowers girl. And then, after a long pause, came the bride's clear, angelic voice as it was to come piercing the silence of the room with a song not too well known around those parts then but was very appropriate for the occasion you are my treasure and my darling i possess the world's greatest treasure the treasure of happiness. She was stunning. Clancy was not expecting to see her like that. It was supposed to be a small wedding. She was going to be wearing a simple but somewhat elegant dress. We just want to get it over and done, she had said, and they had agreed on that. But instead of that, she was now all decked out in white princess cut dress, trails and all, white gloves above the elbow and the biggest bouquet you will ever see. The oohs and ahs and whispers were heard coming in, coming from many of them there within the gathering. She's beautiful, some was clearly heard to be saying, including one of Clancy's sisters to the other. The minister proceeded to do his usual thing 
too slowly, Clancy thought to himself. And with the powers vested in me as a minister, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Mr. Clancy K. O'Kenner, you may now kiss your bride. His shaking hands reached up to pull back the veil for a clearer and a closer look at her beautiful face and at her luscious lips before he was to have leaned in and obliged her begging with a hot lingering kiss. Once again the oohs and ahs, the clapping cheers too, was to have followed. And then came the whispers again. Clancy was sure of it. He did clearly hear the word fat and definitely heard someone say pregnant. From the corner of his eyes, he could see his sisters in whispering debate too. Though still unsure what the issue might have been, he thinks he have a fairly good idea. Ellen's countenance had been somewhat altered from that point on and throughout the rest of the evening. Clancy would have been searching his brides, no, his wife's face and body language for telltale signs, trying to determine whether or not she might have heard what was said and to see what effect, if any, they might have had on her mood. But she didn't seem the least bit perturbed. That's it my friends. That's it for today's episode. I thank you for lending me your ear chime again. Come join us again next time when we shall bring you yet another episode of this story. Until then, be good to yourselves. Read a book and then another. There are love letters to you and me and them, my brother, my sister, my friend. Be sure to bookmark this page and share the love too. Tell a friend about it, or a foe, we can use him too. Until next time, I remain your very best of friend, E.K., the writing elk, and I am out. <laughs>